Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Thank you, team. Thank you. Wow. Life is a battlefield. We've been talking about that for the last several weeks, and we need to know that we've been equipped to win. That Jesus has given us everything we need to secure our victory through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. He's given us victory over the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world. And what he's made available to us as we've studied Ephesians chapter 6 is he's made available to us this armor of God. This armor that we're told to put on, that every spiritual believer in Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul doesn't just suggest that we put it on, he commands that we put it on. Armor that's designed to advance the good news of Jesus Christ in you and through you. Armor that's designed to stand your ground, to stand firm in the middle of life's battles every single day. Let me declare this again, the battle cry that we've listened to in the last few weeks. To husbands and wives, stand firm in your marriage. To dads and moms, stand firm over your children and your families. To those that are struggling with illness, stand firm in God's healing power. To those wrestling over doubt and confusion, stand firm in the truth that sets you free. And to those who are wavering in your commitment to give your offerings and your tithe, stand firm in God's promise that he will supply all of your needs. Here's the direction that I want us to go this morning. The thought that I have has to do with concluding the series, Preparing for Life's Battles. And it has to do with a real Old Testament battle that we all can relate to. There's so many battles that I appreciate, so many battles in Scripture that relate to everyday experiences. But this battle for me stands out above all the other battles. It's the battle between David and Goliath. And with that, I'd like you to do this. I want you to open your Bibles, if you haven't already, to 1 Samuel chapter 17. That's 1 Samuel 17. And I want to read just a portion of this passage to you, verses 41 through 50. And then we're going to talk about the application here out of this scripture. It begins like this. It says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and he saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog? That you come to meet me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and to the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. 
And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank deep into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. And so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. I read this story and I'm reminded that all of us face giants. We all find ourselves on the battlefields of life, things that are bigger than we are, things that we can't defeat in our own strength. And when we face these giants in life, what do we do? How do we respond? Do we freeze? Are we paralyzed in fear? Or do we see the giants and we run away in terror? How do we respond? Here's what I know. What I know about giants is they come in all shapes and sizes. There's a giant called sickness. The giant that many of you have faced and the testimonies that we have heard about you facing this giant, squaring off with a big giant and overcoming in Jesus' name. There's the giant of relationship, those struggles that go on every day, those struggles that come and go with the people that you love. It's a giant. And then there's that giant we call provision. Where am I going to eat? Where am I going to work? Do I have a roof over my head? Where's the next paycheck coming from? These are all giants that we face. They're real giants. None of us are absent of giants in our lives. I know that for sure. I have my own giants in life. Giants that I've faced. Huge, overwhelming giants. Some of those giants look like disease that wanted to infiltrate our house, our life, our health. There's the giant that we see in the valley of the shadow of death. That when we're walking through death with friends or family members, those giants seem to show themselves and they're they're, they're ominous. They're, They're overcoming in times in our lives and they overwhelm us. And then there's other giants that we face, giants that we've faced since we've been children. The giant of learning and struggling with learning. I know I face that. Uh, Scared to death, scared out of my mind to speak publicly as I was growing up. I mean, I still go through these panic attacks every now and again when I'm coming to talk to you and I'm thinking, man, I hope I say something that's worthwhile. I hope God really shows up because if he doesn't, these people are going to be horribly disappointed. Overcoming giants like that. You know this, don't you? That death is not as feared as much as public speaking. And I know exactly what they're talking about. It's difficult, isn't it? You face giants. I I face giants. They're giants that are around us. Giants that when we see our families and we see our wandering children, our prodigal sons and daughters, they seem to be giants in our lives. By facing life's battles and the giants that come with it, I've learned some things about myself. More importantly, I've learned some things about God. First, I've learned that And not mastered this in any way, but I've learned that total surrender, the value of giving everything to God and what it means. And what it means to find God's incredible strength in the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of my own weakness. I've learned that I become more confident in God's power as I face more giants. That God just continues to strengthen me and to build me up and my spiritual muscles grow. I've learned that our God is a God of miracles. 
that he provides and he shows up in some great and wonderful ways. His power is amazing. By looking at David, we learn how God wants us to face our giants and handle the battles of life. And if there's one thing that we'll land on today, one thing that I think all of us need to hear and we need to talk about, and it has to do with the theme of the message, and that's this, we need to listen to the right voice. You need to listen to the right voice. I need to listen and hear the right voice. Let me give you a little backstory that leads to this epic battle between David and Goliath. You see, for 40 days and 40 nights, the Israelites and the Philistine armies, they squared off, just staring at each other. One on one hill, one on the other. In the middle is the valley called Elah. And they're looking at each other. There's this standstill. The entire time, this Goliath, a champion from the Philistine camp, taunted the Israelites, and he challenged them to send out their best warrior and fight him. He set up some conditions. He said, if I defeat your best, then you will serve us. If you defeat us, then we will serve you. He did this for 40 days. And then a father named Jesse sends his youngest son to the battlefield. All David was doing was delivering bread and cheese. All he was doing was serving his his father. And he shows up in the middle of this conflict. And he hears these words that cut deep into his spirit. In 1 Samuel 17, 26, it says... And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? Now I want you to notice something here. What David says about the Israelite army. They are the armies of the living God. Did you notice that? In fact, this is the first time this claim is made in 1 Samuel 17. You see, up until this point, Goliath has been calling them Saul's armies. And I think what is more astounding in all of this that's taking place is no one disagrees. No one makes him, uh, corrects him. No one steps up and says, hey, that's not the accurate way to look at this. I'm not sure that anyone even cared. But you see, David has a whole different perspective. He's hearing things a lot different than the armies are and that Saul is hearing. He's hearing something totally different. He's hearing the voice of God. God has called those people the armies of God. And so all David is doing is he's repeating this before these people. David has a totally different perspective. David saw things differently. In verse 27 it says, And they repeated to David what they had been saying and told him. This is what will be done for the man who kills Goliath. What King Saul did is he said, hey, if someone's brave enough, if someone really wants to take up this task, then this is what I'm going to give you. The way I'm going to reward you is is this way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you great wealth. I'm going to give my daughter's hand in marriage. And you and your family will be totally exempt from any taxes for the rest of your life. Pretty good deal. He offers this incredible incentive to fight. We, we don't know what his daughter looks like, but no one takes him up on the offer. No one steps up and says, I'll be the guy. Nobody does it. The person here, when you read the story, who's most qualified to fight Goliath is the king himself. It's King Saul. The word says that he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. That he was a master at warfare. That he was a genius on the battlefield. And yet, where do you find him? You find him in his tent. 
He's a coward. He's terrified like everyone else. But not David. David's listening to a different voice. David hears some things that he knows he needs to pay attention to. So listen to what happens as David asks around about the situation. In verse 28, it says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and he asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those very few sheep in the desert with? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. Did you come down here only to watch the battle? A voice. A discouraging voice. A degrading voice. His older brother. A voice that when you look at this, attacks David's motive. It attacks his character. It belittles what he does. It's a voice that may sound familiar to some of us. It's the first voice he hears. It's not very supportive. It's not very encouraging. It's the voice of a jealous older brother who probably thinks he should have been the one anointed to be king instead of his younger brothers. He was the one that was left on the outside looking in. And he grows in anger. And all he can do is just pour venom on David. All he can do is say bad things about David. But if David would have listened that day, if David would have listened to his voice, he would have dropped his head in shame. He would have walked off the battlefield and he would have never returned. The voices that humiliate, the voices that threaten to harm us are not voices from God. And if there's one thing that should be clear to all of us today, if you're under the oppression of those voices, they're not voices from God. Their voices determine to discourage you and derail your walk with God. Because God never speaks to you that way. God never brings the words or the voice of an older brother like Eliab. God tells the truth. God speaks to you where you're weak. He speaks to you in the sin of life. He speaks to you and tells you, but he always has a solution. He always has a way out, and he always brings mercy before judgment. That's God's voice. I just wonder how many are giving ear and lending your ear to the voice of Eliab in your life. Someone who's spoken to you like this, and it may go back a way, someone who has threatened you, and it pierces your heart and it's difficult to get over. It's difficult to rise above. It's difficult to overcome. We've all had people speak to us this way. We've all had people look at us this way. I think of my first few years in ministry here and I really felt like God wanted us to go a particular direction. And I was weighing it and I was praying and I was seeking the Lord and someone who was opposed to, to really to me walked in and they started throwing out these threats and these words that just brought fear. And immediately I realized the source. And I said, you've just made up my mind. We are going the way God wants us to go. Because God never speaks to me that way. You've just confirmed direction for my life. Always go away from those voices. God doesn't speak to you in anger. He doesn't speak to you in hate. He doesn't speak to you out of disapproval. Don't lend your ear to those voices. The voices that are truthful and encouraging and faith-filled are the voices that you can trust. They're the voices that you can listen to. 
And now what does David do? He turns from Eliab's voice to hear another voice. It's the voice of Saul in verse 33. Another voice David may have been tempted to listen to. Saul's his king. Saul's his boss. This voice is basically saying to David, hey, uh, you're just a kid. Do you know you're just a kid? Do you know that Goliath is a gladiator? Did you look at his belt? Did you get a close look at the notches on his belt? Those notches represent the numbers of men that he's killed. David, do, do you want to be the next in line? David, you're, you're just a kid. Don't fight this guy. While Eliab brought disparagement on his character and his his motive here, the king is questioning his ability. We've experienced that as well. People say, ah, you don't have it. You're not made of the right stuff. You just don't have it. But I love what David is able to do here because if David would have listened to Saul, he would have gone home believing that he had a, a vote of no confidence given him by his leader, his boss, and possibly the one that he placed in high regard. But David refuses to be moved. He refuses to hear that voice. He says as much in verses 34 to 36. Listen to this. This is really his resume, and I love it. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Bold statement. Something else about this statement that I think is true I honestly think this is the first time anyone is hearing David's resume about the lion and the bear. And I want to tell you why. Because if you're the king, or you're a king's helper, and you know of someone in your land, in your country, it wasn't that big, that had killed a lion and a bear, you'd have ran out 40 days prior to that and brought him to the king and said, man, this guy's got a pretty good resume. He's killed a lion and a bear. I think what happened on that day that David killed the lion, that he killed the bear, I think God, after he did it, said, Shh. David trusted God. He trusted God when to speak and when not to speak. You see, if that was me, and I killed a lion and a bear, if you could take pictures back then, I'd be bringing them to church. I'd be showing all of you on these big screens that I killed a bear, that I killed a lion. Look what I did with my own bare hand. But for some reason, this information doesn't leak out. For some reason, no one knows about this. This is big stuff. Until this day. And I think it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit spoke to David and said as he stood before King Saul, Now, open your mouth and tell him what you did. It was that day that they found out about the bear and the lion, and probably nudged Saul into saying, okay, I don't know how all this is going to work. You can try on my armor, but I don't know how this is going to turn out. Go ahead, take a shot at it. But David says to Saul, these are the armies of the living God. Saul, they're not your armies. They're God's armies. 
I want you to notice in this, if you haven't already, David's confidence, his boldness. He's not cocky. He's confident. He is absolutely sure that God has been with him in the past and that God will be with him in the fights that he has next in battle. You see, do you have that history with God? Are you so full of God's spirit that it's just yesterday and even this morning and just a few moments ago that you experienced that infilling of the spirit of God that you knew that if those giants faced you, it'd be a struggle, it would be a battle, but you knew in the might of God you could overcome. See, what I think with a lot of us is that the infilling, the power of God's spirit is ancient history. I I remember that time. That's the problem with churches. Yeah, remember the good old days 30 years ago when God really moved? What about today? What about right now in our lives? God moves. David's saying, I know God. He's fresh in my life right now. He's alive in me right now. I know what he has for me. And David takes that and he follows God. David has a God confidence that won't be discouraged. Not by his older brother and not by the king. This is what God wants of all of us. He wants us to have a confidence and a faith in God's voice. Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you giving and lending your ear to? He wants us to hear his voice, not the negative voices that surround us, that try to detour us from God's call in our life. God wants us to understand that all things are possible with him. That when he calls us to do something, he will empower us to do it. Here's what I think about the voices that David heard that day. I I, I think this, I, I think that the voice that he heard coming from Goliath wasn't as nearly And could have been as nearly devastating to him as the voice he heard from his older brother and the voice that he heard from his king. In this situation, I almost think Goliath was just a done deal. Because I I know what happens in battle. I I know before we go, we're, we're hearing things about who we are that aren't true. To discourage us from even getting to that place, even going into that valley and fighting the giant. I think in all this, the giant was already dead. It was the voices that he had to listen to. The voice of an older brother, a family member who belittled him. Who says to him, you will never change. You're always the same. You're always this way. You'll never overcome. Have you heard voices like that? Maybe someone in your past. An older family member a mother, a father, a brother, your motives questioned, your character questioned, you were belittled. When it comes to close family members, it's not ever easy. And it's not just what they say, it's how they say it. Because you know they got a history with you. I want to do something today, and I think more importantly, God wants to do something in your life. He wants to set you free from those voices that bring bondage to you, that speak to you constantly like Eliab spoke to David. You're nothing and you never will be nothing. God wants you to be set free. He's asking you that you would be willing to hear those voices dissipate, hear those voices muted, and that you would rise above and hear the voice of God and what he's saying to you, calling you a son, calling you a daughter, calling you more than a conqueror in his name. 
Bow your head with me just for a moment. Let's do some business here. I want you just to touch your ears. I know it seems a little silly, but do it. And we're doing this right now, symbolic of our spiritual ears. And that we're saying these ears are being consecrated. They're being set aside to only hear the voice of God. Father, I pray for our spiritual ears today that they would be consecrated to you and that we would lend our ear only to your voice and hear what you have to say to us because your promises to us are yea and amen. It's your promises that break the bondage that we face in life. Lord, I pray for those that have listened to these voices, even though some of those voices have gone now and have no body, they're still left in the mind. I pray in Jesus' name that those strongholds would be released and we would incline our ear to you and we would hear you and hear you alone. Lead us, great shepherd. Lead us and speak to us in these days in Jesus' name. Would you say amen? And then there's a voice of a leader. One who has no confidence. No confidence in David and how that feels in our own lives. Leaders, people that we respect. uh, People that have influenced our lives. Fragile people at times. Broken people. Imperfect people. But when they say something about us and we respect them, it hurts. It really hurts. And while they may move along in life and forget they even said anything to us, we remember someone like a boss or a coach or a teacher or a pastor. Someone saying something to you that question your ability, that question your integrity. Those things are painful. Whose voice do you hear? Whose voice are you listening to? I remember, I think I was about 19, 20 years old and, and I just asked Annette to marry me and I thought, man, I gotta get with it. That girl, won't, she, won't, she won't handle a slouch. Can't be a slouch, man. I gotta get my act together. The first thing I needed to do was buy a ring. And I thought, how am I gonna do that? And, and someone I deeply admired, a mentor in my faith and, and helped grow me and develop me. He, he invited me to come alongside of him for a whole summer and help with these family camps that they did. And I would do the youth part of it. And then on the off week when there was no camp, I would work on the campus as a maintenance person. And I got to fly in an airplane up and down the West Coast with him and had a great time. It was wonderful. He was like, really, he was like a god. I put him there. He could do no wrong in my eyes. Have you had people like that in your life? The last camp that we're doing, he looks at me and he says, I want you to be here tomorrow morning. I said, okay. I'm in college. Remember this, please. Tomorrow morning means any time before 11.59. That's what it means to a college student. That's still morning. I showed up about that time. He was incensed. He was, he was angry at me. He said, when I say morning, I mean seven in the morning. I didn't, even see, I didn't see anything at seven in the morning. But he got a hold of me and he met me and he was so mad he started, he just went into me, just, just went into me. And I'm just standing there, this 19-year-old kid listening to this outpouring of just degrading things. And he, he called me some things and some of those things I didn't even recognize the words. He was a smart guy and I thought I'd heard everything. I grew up in a locker room. So I'm thinking, man, I don't even know what he's telling me. One of the things he said, he looked me in the eyes and he says, you're a prima donna. I'm thinking, I don't know what it means. It's probably not good. He's mad. 
I had this delayed reaction. I went into my room, got Webster's out and looked down and it says, I am not. But I remember how it just melted my soul, my spirit. Remember what I felt. I felt like garbage. I felt worthless. I remember just falling down on my bed and saying, okay, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I don't need this in my life. I remember telling God all these things and then there was this pause as if God was taking a breath to say something and he did. He said, stand up. Man, I popped out of bed faster than you could think and imagine and I got, and I just stood there and he goes, he, this is what God says to me and I'll never forget, just like yesterday. He didn't call you, I did. He didn't give you a message, I did. He didn't give you the Holy Spirit, I did. He didn't give you the Son of God, I did. He didn't give you salvation, I did. He didn't give you redemption, I did. Do you get the message? And I want to tell you something, that day changed my life. I am so glad at a young age I learned who called me. I learned whose voice I needed to listen to. It was that day. I love this man. I love this man today. I've asked forgiveness and I've asked and I've had to give forgiveness. But I want to tell you something. It's those kinds of voices oftentimes that we allow to control our future. We allow to control the way we live and the way we respond and the way we feel. Whose voice do you listen to? You don't need to listen to that voice. You can listen to the voice of God. Would you bow your head again? Would you put your hand over your heart just for a moment? Father, we forgive those that have spoken those negative things to us, those things that told us that we just don't have the ability, whether it's been forgiving a boss or to forgive a coach or a teacher or a pastor or a father-like figure in our lives. Lord, we, we forgive. We forgive in Jesus' name so that we can be free to be who you want us to be. Lord, I know that when we keep these voices in our head and in our heart, that they hinder us from hearing the true voice, the real voice, the calling voice, the voice of the shepherd, the one that has saved us, the one that has formed us. So forgive us for listening to those voices instead of yours. We ask you to forgive us today. And in doing all this, set us free. Set us free to hear the clear, wise voice of God. Your counsel is what we need. In Jesus' name we pray. And would you say amen? Whose voice makes all the difference on how you face life's battles? I love the story of David because David reminds me there's only one voice and that's God's. One voice that leads me in the right direction. It's my Father in heaven. Would you bow your head with me as I invite our worship team forward and in just a moment our prayer teams will place themselves around this building as well. Today I'm going to ask this. Do you know Jesus Christ? I can be certain of something here because it's happened to me. Even before I came to that place of confessing Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he was speaking to me. I heard his voice. 
a loving voice, a convicting voice, a voice who I knew meant the best for me. And maybe you've not come to that place of receiving Jesus Christ and really hearing his voice. You've tried to listen to a lot of other voices, but they haven't gotten you anywhere. In fact, things have only gotten worse. I know the feeling. Today, God says, listen to my voice and be set free. In just a moment, I'm going to ask today, everyone in this room, just repeat a simple prayer after me. And if you're here and desire to receive Jesus Christ by listening to his voice today, you pray this prayer along with all of us in this room. And when I'm finished praying with you, I'm going to ask that you just acknowledge that you receive Christ by lifting your hand. I, again, will not call you out. I will not embarrass you. But there will be a confession made here today. The Bible says that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. I know that the Lord is faithful. Pray with me, would you? Dear Jesus, I confess my sins to you today that I really am broken and weak. But today I decide to listen to your voice and only your voice. The other voices have gone by the wayside. And with that I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and Savior. Make my heart your home and I will follow you in your son's name. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.